BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Hi, I'm Paco Romain. And I'm George Chen, and you're listening to Subdoc. We talk to people from the world of comedy, music, TV, and film about their favorite documentaries. And sometimes we talk to the subject and filmmakers themselves. This is the first of a two-part interview about the 2009 documentary Detour. It tells the story of Pat Spurgeon, drummer for the band Rogue Wave. Pat was born with only one kidney, which began to fail when he was a working musician and was in desperate need of a transplant. Unable to quit touring, and just as his band was taking off, Pat had to perform portable dialysis in whatever space he could, including rock venues and his van. Director Jim Granato followed Pat on his tour and filmed it. Our producer, Will, and I spoke with him about making the doc and how Pat's story unfolded. The second half of the story continues on June 5th when we interview the film subject, Pat Spurgeon. And now, our talk with filmmaker Jim Granato. Hey, we're here with... Jim Granato. Yes. I said it right. You did. Yeah. I Thank for, you. Why, I, yeah. I don't know why I thought there was another A in there somewhere. Um, you know, it's a common mispronunciation that, yeah. that sometimes occurs, but you got it on the first try. Thanks. And Will's joining us on hey. mic today, too. We're at Paco, my house. Paco's getting dental surgery. Yeah. Uh, so, and we brought Jim in because he made the film Detour. Yeah. And... Uh, Capital D space tour. And there is a lot to say about this. Um, and, and just getting into your background in film stuff, I know now you're a, you're a DJ and you do a lot of uh, freelance video stuff. Yeah. This is your first feature-length film that you're the director of? Yes. Uh-huh. Yeah, feature, yeah, first feature, indeed. Mm-hmm. So director, uh, I guess I did a little of everything on this movie. And not, not to discredit other people that were involved, but uh, um, it, it was a... a labor of love there for a while was just really me and of course uh my friend pat mm-hmm. pat spurgeon who the film is about yeah oh uh, yeah it's about pat as a drummer of rogue wave and the issues he's going through yeah uh which we can get into uh there's i, I noticed one of the producer credits was is it adam farrell or oh yeah yeah so I assume we we we'll get to that part. I guess as well. Uh, okay, we get to that. Do you know Adam? I don't, but is he? I assume he's related to Evan. No, no coincidence. Okay, I that was right. my first question. Then I no, guess. no, no, nothing to do with no that relation. Thing. Okay, as I thought far it was maybe like a family thing. Yeah. Okay. No. So scratch all that. No. Um, <laughs> edit. But, edit. Yeah. But the, you know, like there is there there is a lot of stuff that comes up with that. Um. So yeah. let's get to uh, how you got involved in the story. You were just friends with Pat the whole time? Yeah. Um, Pat and I go way back. Um, we both come from Indiana. Um, he's a few years older than me. So uh, going back to the Indiana days, uh, he, he, he was a musician, somewhat of a popular figure in our small town. This is Bloomington, Indiana, mm-hmm. which today is a little bit of a has a, uh, you know... Uh, it's got a scene, right? A little... Well, the scene's always been there, but it's yeah. a bit more well-known, I think, for its... I guess now it's like freak folk and yeah. and other uh, forms of alternative music. It's all... That's a lot of that's around the secretly Canadian stuff. Yeah, and this yeah. is way before those this labels popped up. Oh, yeah. I mean, this is... You know, I was still in high school, and I, I used to occasionally go see Pat play in bands and basements, you know? And yeah. The, the classic Midwest basement style yep. of, so he's a little older than you so you kind of always like kind of looked up to him is that a thing uh you know yeah i, gu- I guess so um i think that happens like people like that i came up with when i in music it's like if they're three years older than you they seem to have a world of knowledge it went a lot further back yeah. then sure when he's like 21 and you're you know 18 or whatever although he's probably like i think he's five or six years older than me um so he was a little older than that and then uh, honestly i never really knew him very well back then but i do remember hearing about him going through his first kidney transplant right. in the early 90s. Uh, again, I didn't know him, but we had mutual friends, a small town kind of thing. And he sort of just dropped out of the scene for a while. And uh, I 
guess I just never really heard from him again. I did. I just that's that's as far as it went. Is all I knew is he had some okay. medical trouble. And mm-hmm. So fast forward uh, several years later in San Francisco, I moved out to San Francisco in 1996, late 1996. Pat moved out at the beginning of 1997, and we ran into each other. Ooh. Um, at the Kilowatt bar oh, yeah. uh, on 16th Street, where they still had shows. Right, they're just a bar now, yeah. They're just a bar now. So uh, anyways, um, you know, sort of being new in town and not knowing a lot of people, I kind of made my way up and introduced myself, and we sort of hit it off from there. So, okay. so you didn't really know each other personally in Bloomington, but no, you had like not really. the same circle of like... Yeah, whatever rock and roll people. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. The, the music certainly was the the, the common bond, and mm-hmm. and we started hanging out. And uh, you know, at that point, it had been a handful of years or so after his first kidney transplant. So you know, he he'd already been through that experience and seeing doctors regularly and taking medicine and that mm-hmm. kind of stuff. Um, and you know, would occasionally mention in conversation like, "Well, you know, this is going to happen again." I mean, they're these transplants aren't fixed forever right. as we sort of show in the film. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's certainly... Well, so to, for people yeah, that don't know please. any of it, like, uh, so Pat was born with one kidney. He was. And then he needed... That kidney started failing when he's around 25 or so? Yeah, somewhere around there. And so, right, you're in Bloomington, he's just a broke musician. Right. Is he from Bloomington? Or hey, he's from family? Indiana. He's from he's up from north, uh, closer to Chicago. But he went to college in Bloomington. Yeah, so his family's there. So, like, um, he, yeah, is was saying that, like, he was avoiding going to the doctor for a while, too, in that period, because he was just... Which Broke, is, yeah. is illustrated in the movie early mm-hmm. on, and, and you know, I guess somewhat of a classic scenario, somebody who didn't have health insurance and was always broke all the time, and, and still, even though he was sick, he never really knew how sick he, he was, and yeah. somewhat still felt invincible, although he was actually not good at all. Yeah. I think there's a part where he they were saying, like, it was... Two weeks was that for his? Second? He would have died in. Two yeah, weeks. he got he got pretty close. Yeah. to, you know, in uh, in the early nineties, that first trans yeah. That first transplant. Wow. Yeah, which uh, you know, obviously. <laughs> so they got him on dialysis probably in that first thing. Yeah, and then and then yeah. they were just waiting for donor at that point too. Um. Yes. In fact, I you know I can't even remember how long that first wait for a donor was. Mm-hmm. But he was so late in in when they Fine, discovered yeah. this problem that he probably charted to the top. Of the you list. know what the dialysis that he actually ends up doing the second round, which is where we come in and detour. You know, peritoneal, he he was doing hemodialysis, which was this more intense sort of method of exchange of the blood, mm-hmm. where he was in a hospital, laid up in a hospital, and and it, I think there might have been a little bit more pain. Hopefully, Pat can can talk a little bit yeah. more into that. But you know, a much uh, tougher route than than what the peritoneal dialysis. Mm-hmm. That's the one he can do at home with the bags. Yeah, 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 and and on the road as we see. Right, that was that was actually that very was the first part of that documentary where I was like, he's doing what on the road? He's right. doing right. playing rock clubs with his like, you know, at this point very successful, but at that point like middle successful indie rock band yeah. where you're playing like bars. You're not playing your theaters or anything yeah. like that. Right. So. And he's doing something where you have to keep all of it very sterile, like the contact between a tube that's going straight into his gut and a tube that's giving him uh, his sugar water, basically. Yeah. The dextrose. or uh, Yeah, to, exactly. To transfer, basically, to replace his urination, basically. Yeah. But it's like an assisted way of getting urine out of your system if your kidneys are failing. So pretty heavy. Yeah. I mean, and, and to all of our surprise, I mean, you know, I, I certainly didn't set out to make a film thinking that was going to go down, mm-hmm. you know. I mean, in the beginning, really, well, to, to, to kind of pedal back just a little bit, you know, Pat knew that his his kidney at the time, and this is about 1990, uh, no, excuse me, this would have been um, 2005 is when he started seeing signs of, of failure from his first transplanted kidney that he received in the early 90s. Mm-hmm. 
So th- around that time, that's, you know, Rogue Wave had already, ma- I think, had made their second record by then. You know, it was definitely a working, moving band. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that's when he started telling folks, like, hey, this is coming down the pike. So mm-hmm. um, when when he called me, he's like, hey, I just want to, you know, he just wanted to make a video. We That's what we called it, mm-hmm. you know, and I'd been making films and things at that time, but... We our idea initially was just to like let's make a, a, a video to raise awareness. We'll put it on the internet. You know, this is Pat's story. So when you when you were coming up with the idea to, to make this, it was less of like a band on the road documentary. Definitely. It was specifically about right. kind of his yeah. dealing with the, his kidney problems on the road. Yeah. So it became less about the band and more about his own. Yeah, uh, struggle with a medical. Uh, yeah, situation. and in the end, I still think it's it's certainly more about yeah. him than it is about the band. I think a lot of people, you know, think it's it's a music documentary when in fact it's not. It's it's a it's a documentary about a life a life struggles yeah. with a lot of music in it. You know, mm-hmm. and we certainly used a great deal of the music in the film, not just by Rogue Wave, but other bands, their peers like and from friends the and stuff. Yeah, because yeah. later on. Um, really kind of what happened was subsequently to that decision making a video you know after a couple of you know small interviews and and a little bit of research then i get the next big call is pat's on the road he's saying you know he's excited and and like hey you know zach zach rogue from the band you know he made some calls you know some friends are coming through we're gonna have this big benefit we're gonna try to raise money raise awareness and it was really at that point okay well i gotta get a crew together i gotta obviously document that and it was there from that mm-hmm. point on where this started to become a movie so he contacted you in 2005 and you've been friends this whole time but he's just yeah. like i actually want someone to help me document this part of the part yeah. that i'm going through and then you got a crew together around the time the benefit was getting organized right which was actually the fall of 2006 mm-hmm. come to think of it um at the independent in san francisco and there's like, yeah, there's really good audio from the board, I think, from that, too, yeah. right? Yeah, that sounds great. I credit John Carr for that. For yeah. That. Thank you, John. <laughs> and and so you're, you were around when uh, Pat started joining, when he joined the band in the first place? You were yeah, I mean, but yeah, yeah, Pat and I have been buddies a long time. So, I, I mean, I remember driving around Lake Merritt, in fact, in Oakland, um, with Pat listening to Zach's demo tape in the car, and... Pat basically, you know, getting really into this band, which that tape, a lot of that music ended up being on their first record, which was very well received by the mm. indie rock community. Right. That's the one that was on Sub Pop, right? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. The first two was on Sub Pop. First on Sub Pop, yeah. Yeah. We would have meetings before practice. We'd sit in our little lobby of our studio and talk about and write down all the details. And he would say, I was at the doctor today. This is what he said. This is what I can do. <laughs> do dialysis in the van while we're driving. It's crazy. My reaction was, you're fucking crazy. If you think you want to go on the road and do this and you have dietary restrictions, which are like ridiculous to meet. VR training platforms like the one developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International are helping surgeons train over and over before operating on real patients. As you practice each skill, the muscle memory starts to develop. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. One, two, three, four. Those are numbers, but you already knew that. If you want to know what number you're going to pay each month for your car, use Kelly Blue Book My Wallet on AutoTrader. They're really good at numbers. Auto Trader. So before, uh, not knowing a lot, I mean, I've I, Pat's a guy that you would see around Oakland a lot because he's very tall and is very distinct. Yeah. Or he's just like a notable guy. Uh, but I remember <laughs> that early 2000s indie rock scene around the Bay Area. What kind of stuff was he doing before he joined Rogue Wave? Like he played in a lot of other bands. Uh-huh. Um, you know, I remember he was in a band called Ramona and the Pest. Okay, yeah. Um, who um, maybe we have some you know mutual friends. You know, there. I know, I know, Lucio. Um, I think there's Mengen. some people. Yeah. Um. Anyway, uh, you know, he he played in in like a journeyman guy. Yeah, very much so. And well, he and I were roommates too in San Francisco okay. in the late '90s. Uh, Early two thousands, and you know, he was uh, he also hooked up with a band from that were based back in Bloomington, but they were on the road all the time called Old Pike, mm-hmm. and they were on some major label. And he he had his, I mean, Pat has had brushes with success through 
you know, many rock bands over the years. In the early 90s, another band called Antenna. Uh, oh, wait, John Strom. John Strom, who's from That's Bloomington. That's a Bloomington. Yeah, that's yeah. right. Yeah. Blake so, Baby's reunion's yeah. coming up. Oh, really? I did. Yeah, oh, okay. I see sure. it on Facebook. But. Yeah, yeah. So. Oh, he I, was in Antenna? He was in Antenna. Is he on the records? Uh, he's on an EP okay. and maybe one of the LPs. There's not a lot of Antenna records. Oh, I mean, there's not a lot of Antenna fans probably either. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, I that, no. But that we used to see the Antenna me. CDs, or uh, you know, never the records. I think the records only came out in Europe at the time. Cut up, yeah, yeah, cut up, or the thrift stores. Yeah, and Pat would buy every Antenna CD he saw for a quarter, <laughs> just because you know why not. But that's your brush. Yeah, that's a brush with. That's a pretty good brush with. Uh, yeah, he was on tour time. with like Firehose and and mm-hmm. you know certainly other bands of that era um so you know he, he's always a professional musician and been at it a long time he's even a few years older than the other guys in rogue wave and so but it was it was this time with rogue wave that things really started happening and and uh you know it's a different era and opportunities just just popped up mm-hmm. yeah I think I think there were more you know more festivals and that kind of thing. So you know a lot more than they certainly I think that I remember anyway mm-hmm. from the, the early mid nineties. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, it was crazy like seeing that and kind of getting the idea that this is his career. This is what he does for a living. Yeah. Sure. And the hit, him on the road playing in at the time was like shitty kind of bars that yeah you know we've all been into and seen a show at. But also when they were searching for. Uh, a donor uh, there was uh, I think I guess it was his mother talking about yeah. the options that were available including like his brother Family. who was a career military right which would have like him donating a kidney would have ruined like completely shut off his career yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. so it was kind of even like well like what's more important like my career my family like for, for he has kind of a large family, and it was kind of amazing. The two brothers, uh, his blood brothers, so to speak, he has also a couple half-brothers. Yeah. They couldn't do it, for one yeah. for medical reasons, the other because of the military. And, yeah. I don't think, and I don't believe his half-brothers were you know, eligible just due to a different blood type. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, so, yeah, the odds were, were there. And, and uh, you know, it, it, to, to put your name on a list isn't the most uplifting thing. Obviously, um, it's... it's in fact, I, I just showed a screening a detour not too long ago here in Oakland and, and I met a, a lady who, you know, is of middle age and, and she's um, her both of her kidneys are failing and she's on the list. And the number now is is twice as wor- wow. twice as bad as it yeah. was, you know, ten years ago. Ten years ago, yeah. So there's a, a great need. Yeah. Well actually that's what the when uh, what what is Evan's wife's name? Jill. Jill, this is a huge part of the movie, is she is so upbeat and is like voluntarily yeah. offering to donate one of her functioning kidneys. And you're like going through all the, like the whole process. Going through, and, and yeah. Like going to UCSF, yeah. And, and, and going to the doctor, like seeing the doctor. And Yeah, you know, it's like you have a lot, you know, it's great to, to surround yourself with a good community yeah. of friends. And, and certainly this movie is about that too. There was a big community that stepped up. Uh, largely to raise awareness and to support Pat, but then you have those those few people that are really willing to go that distance. Uh-huh. Um, and 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 it wasn't like Jill and Pat were super close. That's what I thought was really interesting. Yeah. It's more yeah. like, and then her husband's in Rogue Wave, but there is sort of like that's a, that must be a strange thing to be in the van. Like, like so, my wife would be willing to give you her kidney yeah. and like having to like be like the go between for all of that. Right. That had to be really bizarre. Yeah. That being Evan being the character that he was, um, you know, he, he was such a big part of this, uh, this whole ordeal. Um, mm-hmm. yeah, I, I don't know what else to really say. I, I don't want to get, you know, yeah, for well, your listeners to, to, if you haven't seen the film, yeah. there is like, uh, we have to we could just, we could just address it. I think. Yeah. Well, has, or well, what do you think? With with, uh, with Jill, it was she had had a kidney stone prior, or she she discovered it. I she think in the process that she had one. Yeah, dur- yeah, it was dur- the very last Man. step of the whole procedure. Just, I mean, talk about you know you can't really come up with these sort of dramatics in a in a feature yeah. film. You sort of be left like everyone's just kind of ready to go, and then <laughs> yeah, and then this stone gets discovered. And, yeah, yeah, which you know just ruled her out. Yeah, yeah, man. And and I I think it was Zach who said that 
after that, like the sort of the wind went out of the sails a little bit in terms of Pat's like optimism for finding yeah. a donor. Well, again, as you know, those two got to know each other really, really well, really fast. And, and, uh, sometimes, you know, when you under the, well, under any circumstances, I mean, you, you, you could see how big a heart some yeah. people have, you know, mm-hmm. uh, and, and, you just believe. Now, you how know? long? How long was that process of her preparing uh, to donate, uh, getting prepared, going to the doctor? Like, about what was the time? It was frame? a few months, you just know? because you know this is a long distance relationship. Yeah. She still lived back in Indiana. Pat and the guys were still on the road, and you know they'd have to occasionally hook up, whether Jill flying out west mm-hmm. to California, or you know maybe maybe rendezvousing somewhere in the Midwest to to go in to see the doctors together. And things did look great, you know, mm-hmm. for all those sort of tiers of testing. And you were you were there shooting a lot of that? Were well, the this is what's them? interesting. Mm-hmm. I you know, I I was, but because this is totally this movie was totally self-funded by me at the time and me and me only. I mean, I was um the guys in a band were were are a couple of them had cameras and so instead of me sort of dropping everything and and heading out with them on the road not like they needed a sixth or seventh guy in a van (laughs) uh you know we just quickly agreed hey you guys just shoot as much as you can and evan was really huge in that um you know he already had his camera he was he really thought everything was going to be a go with jill too and he wanted to document i mean again at this time we didn't. Nobody really knew it was going to become right. this big documentary film yeah. that it had had done. You know, so it's like just just document stuff. You know, I gave him a couple of notes to follow, and they did a pretty good job. Mm-hmm. So I would just receive this footage every few weeks, yeah. and then put it together. And there was a lot of you know, mindless like nutty. In the car, horsing around. You well, yeah, or just like lines on the freeway, you know, oh. just like whatever. I yeah. mean, which captures that experience pretty good. But mm-hmm. and we certainly use some of that stuff. But for you know, it was it was great. I mean, we were just kind of entering that era. I mean, I don't think a lot of people were using their phones for cameras at that time. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think YouTube really only broke in like two thousand five. Yeah, it was yeah, about that same time. Mm-hmm. So you know, for people to really take it upon themselves to to shoot. Sure. And I mean, that ragtag sort of look as part of the film's, you know. So you had to log a charm. lot of tape that where you're like, what is yeah. this going to be? Is this going to be <laughs> I... a guy in a bathroom? Is this going to be like someone eating a hot dog? Well, I, I will say, Pat, you know, I gave Pat a camera. I had a really cheap, you know, like one chip mini DV camera that I just wasn't using. And I, was, and I gave him a bunch of tapes. And, you know, and he would come back. I, I give him like five tapes, five 60 minute tapes. Like, you know, you could do that. Mm-hmm. And he'd come back with like maybe twenty minutes of on one tape <laughs> <laughs> after after a small tour. It's like yeah. uh, you know, it's like dude, you know, he, he well, step it up a little bit. Yeah, <laughs> he's got footage of him, like him holding the camera in the mirror, like showing you the he stars. Does. Yeah. He he did he did come through with some major sort of mm-hmm. points in the and, you know as far as how we constructed the story later for sure. When he's doing the dialysis at home and there's a dog, is that your house or is that his house? That's a friend of ours. A house. Yeah. Unfortunately that, that, that dog is no longer with us, but man, uh, that was a, that was a really important moment. Yeah. I mean, it felt that way in the film. Like he's, you're getting a sense of like, Oh, you have to like, warm up this fluid there's all these like little details you know i'm just thinking back to the editing and i think what was important to like how to address that we the film kind of moved at a pretty brisk pace i Mm -hmm. thought Mm -hmm. up to that point um you know i'm hoping it wasn't too fast but we had a lot of information to share a lot of history and that kind of thing up to that point and We'd been, you know, talking about this process, uh, you know, the exchange of the fluids and so forth through, you know, his abdomen. So it was time to just slow that down to almost real time. And we, Pat and I had been talking about filming it for a little while. And we just, you know, it was a pretty casual sort yeah. of approach. And we, we were found ourselves back in Bloomington because we were, going, we were talking with other people at the time. And Bloomington, you know, besides obviously San Francisco, Oakland, I mean, which was our is our home, but Bloomington was our old home and, and definitely a bit of a home base. We would go back, and it was the middle of winter, and we were hanging with our friend. Our friend was out for the day, so we just decided to do this scene then and there. And so it was really cold that day, too. It was. Yeah. It was really, you know, you know, realistic. I mean, obviously it was realistic, but it... it uh, 
it, it depicted what he has to go through. And that house is relatively clean compared mm-hmm. to some of the yeah. places he's done it in. You know, some of the ca- some of the camera shots of the the guys in a band got were these really dark sort of you know dank looking joints in the back of clubs that. Good, good thing the quality wasn't that great because it was it was dark and dank and yeah. kind of like probably shouldn't have been. You don't want to smell been. the yeah. club in yeah. the film. <laughs> a scratch well, and sniff. Well, that scene to me yeah. was like the point where I was like, oh my god, like this is like the amount of precautions you have to take. And yeah. He, and he said he had had an infection before from. Yeah. Mishandling that. Before, and he said it's bad it, news. And it's like something you yeah. want to avoid. <laughs> like sure. And, sure. There's so many things that could have gone wrong in keeping something like that like clean. Yeah. Because it's literally just a tube hanging out of your abdomen. Well, you know, I mean, it, 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 this goes back to, you know, being sort of um, slightly shocked by his decision to, to do this in the first place. Mm-hmm. We all know Pat's a smart guy, you know, and he's very responsible, and he had been through it before. So, you know, we once you realize that, it's like, okay everybody starts to rally. But then, you know, in that scene where he's doing, doing the, the D, yeah. as, as it's affectionately called mm-hmm. in the film, you know, he leaves the bag on the floor and he's dragging that thing that to the floor and the dog. Cool. I mean, that gets a, a mixture of a laugh and a little bit of a, a, a shocking sort of, <laughs> yeah. you know, sigh from the audience, which is, makes great for cinema. But, you know, at the time, you, you're just, you know, Pat's not perfect, in other words. He, <laughs> yeah. You know, he's, he's uh, nobody is in doing yeah. this, but he's doing the best he can. And, Man, you know, obviously the guy is really likable. I mean, he's been one of my better best friends certainly for for many years, and um, you know, it, his perseverance is is unreal. And I mean, that's a big, big part of what this movie's about. Well, I, I get the sense that like it really was like it seemed like that was the time to tour. Like you just when you're in that position, you just have to do the tours, and they didn't want to do it without him. It sounded like they they considered yeah. doing it without him. I'm sure for him it was like, no, don't go without me. Right. That's part of it, you know. Oh, yeah. He, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And I, I think we can all understand that. You don't want to be oh, like sure. left out right when the thing is starting to break. Right. And But that is, yeah, like having to plan everything around. Like what if he'd been out on tour when, okay, so maybe we'll jump ahead. Uh, a kidney does come up after a bunch of stuff happens. Obviously, the, the transplant from Jill doesn't work out yeah there's a second person uh who's not even a very close friend but like someone in the music community uh-huh. who's canadian another, another lady friend from a fellow musician not somebody in the band but right. uh, a, a woman named heather yeah from vancouver and this was what what actually when i saw this scene basically he's out late one night and it's sort of abnormal that he'd be out this late and they get a call from ucsf that they actually have a donor <laughs> Yeah, and it's like if of he, course it happens that way. It's like like he was like I normally leave my phone off. Like if I was at home, yeah. asleep, I would have missed that call. Yeah, and that really like also the fact that they refer to getting a kidney transplant as a lottery. It is it is the lottery. It's it like, is. Yeah. They try to take any bias out of it. You can't bribe your way on that. You yeah, can't be it's like you know. It's a big list, and then you have to have a match too. Right, you know, mm-hmm. it's a lot of stuff has to fall into place for you to. Like, There's no favoritism involved yeah. or anything. I mean, Pat has always had a great relationship with his doctors and stuff, and nobody yeah. can pull any strings for yeah. you. No, and uh, a lot of that stuff about the the donor stuff, which is like I think by the the last third of the film, you're really dealing a lot with his relationship to. He starts to try and build a relationship with the family. Uh, that donated the organ. Yeah, because, you know, I guess in the back of our minds, we always, you know, I never thought, you know, that Pat wasn't going to make it. I mean, at the same token, I didn't think it would take me only really three years from the very start to the very finish, you Mm -hmm. know, editing to lock in the picture. Three years is nothing Mm -hmm. for a documentary. And I mean... Maybe I'm sure quite lots of other people have done it in that time or shorter too, depending on what their subjects are. But when you're following somebody in a real life crisis mm-hmm. situation with that kind of story, you know, I just didn't think it was going to be that quick. Did you get a call to come and film them at that point, or no? That they just filmed themselves. Well, what's funny was I was the one out of town when Pat got the call. Oh, okay. Uh. So I was visiting my family in Florida when I 
played my my voicemail back my messages the next day and and a very again and a very excited you know pat on the other end saying we got the cameras we got people here filming it's all gonna we're gonna get it all <laughs> you know <laughs> Dude, like, we're gonna document my transplant <laughs> it's like, oh great the big scene in the film and I'm, I'm nowhere near it and and i luckily they did a pretty good job but i also called a, another friend you know with a camera very similar to mine somebody i could trust and yeah. go in there and help out with a little bit of the coverage and he did and yeah. uh and um that's like the it's such a like a, a, a wave of relief to just be watching that because I, yeah. I mean, I know that he's alive now, so I know it, something happened. But I actually didn't know the details of what happened. Yeah. I didn't know how it all worked out. I just knew that I know he's still around and playing, but I didn't know yeah. that whole process at all. Yeah. And, and so when was that transplant? That uh, that second one. That would have been January of two thousand seven. Okay. Mm-hmm. And so how, and how yeah. has he been since? Like how is the, good really? Yeah. Any complications or? No. Really. No, and, and hopefully we can hear from him how yeah, he's yeah. doing. Mm-hmm. But yeah, um, you figure that's at this point in time, being 2016, that's that's nine years ago. My yeah. God. Um, so yeah, this is going to happen again for him. You know, yeah. I, I I don't. I'm, this is not a uh, an announcement to make detour two. Yeah. Right. Um, but just, it's it's just typically, the reality, the that's what happens. Yeah. Yeah. Don't, don't Absolutely. Um, but but I wanted to say that. Uh, you know, knowing that, okay, we're going to get to this point. Is that the end of the movie? Is that, you know, at this point it was a movie. We had this benefit concert, mm-hmm. which sort of intercuts with the story of Pat going through these various hurdles through, you know, his family and friends. And, mm-hmm. and all these things come up that nobody no saw one would have seen. You know, yeah, no, I mean, there's a lot of turns. That's almost the detour in its own way. Like, it's like the... Right. The mea- the extra surprises mm-hmm. that occur yeah, right. after this one thing where you think, oh, it's all happy endings, and then just a lot of stuff happens. Yeah, yeah, lots of twists and turns that were unforeseen. Um, but again, you know, I think er, com- somewhat early on, you know, midway through, Pat and I had a conversation like, well, you know, we we should try and get in touch with the family. I mean, because Pat did talk to me a couple of times off camera, even way before we started doing any filming, how he never got to do that the first first time around. And, uh, you know, I don't think it was something that truly bugged him, but I think if we were going to do this in this fashion, that we had to show a little bit of, you know, responsibility and, and and Mm -hmm. certainly pay our respects. And, uh, and I'm glad we did. I mean, it, it and that took on a whole other set, small yeah. set of challenges. Like, and they how were going to get a hold of these people. Yeah, and they were open to it. They were more than open to oh, it. Oh, yeah. They I mean, wanted some closure around. Yeah. So the it, pretty young kid. Ended yeah. Up, is, was he 19? Yeah. Um, he, had, he had just uh, signed up as an organ donor, which really, like what they said like the day. day of, right? Yeah. But they, his, that's what his mom says that's on insane. camera. Which, you know, I. Found that pretty shocking. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, you know, it, it's great. It was great to have that opportunity to, to talk with them. I mean, they're very nice people who, yeah. you know, did, could have easily pretty said open. no to yeah. us. I uh-huh. mean, you know, a couple of, you know, Afro sporting guys from the Bay Area. I mean, mm-hmm. it, we still go down to Phoenix and, and tied it where Rogue Wave was actually doing a show down there. Mm-hmm. I guess the timing was just right. I mean, timing had been, you know, on our side through so much of this, uh, for good and bad, um, where we just kind of, it, it was just a, a hell of a two year ride to illustrate. I was thinking about, uh, so there's a scene, right. The family of the kid who, who ended up, uh, pre- you know, unfortunately passing away, but provided the kidney that Pat now has, he meets up with the family there and they're at the Rogue Wave concert, and my brain just goes to like, what if they just hate the music? Yeah, <laughs> and they're like yeah. stuck there. But I, I think there could be a thing of like, even I mean, 
They seemed to have a great time. It was fine. But yeah. I just think there was some potential in my mind for there to be the awkwardness of just like, oh, this guy. What if it was like just a noise band and yeah, they just hated yeah. it? <laughs> like, and it was just it. like, like this is what you're doing with my son's you organ? Know, we, we've come up with it. It's like, yeah, good thing you don't play in a death metal band yeah. or like something. Exactly. You know, they were like super religious. Yeah. They, they ended, you know, they I ended, thought they, about that possibility. Yeah, yeah. They, they ended up being pretty cool people, pretty nice folks. Um, you know, but certainly not a lot in common, you know, between us. So mm-hmm. there wasn't a lot to say after the initials, hello, how you feeling? But that's what makes it so... Right, right. Yeah. Like, it transcendent in a way. Yeah. It's just, we're all humans, whatever, like... Absolutely. The affiliations are. Um, on a just a personal note, I got... I really was like, oh, man, I got to sign up to be a donor. And I think... That's great. Um, you know, my dad passed away unexpectedly, and... Mm. My stepmom said he really liked this Will Smith movie, Seven Pounds, mm. where he, I guess, donates. He, huh. he did, wants to donate his organs. So I guess I didn't know if he'd actually signed the thing, but my stepmom was like, uh, you know, it was like a situation where he did have, you know, functioning organs. So yeah, we were able to do that. And oh, that's great. I'll, and you know, it made me, it. Oh yeah. Thanks. Uh, it just made me realize that I hadn't even really researched it after what happened. Like I wasn't in town. There was, I think the same, uh, institutions, the California transplant donors network, right. Which also made me wonder like if, uh, the kid, if they were in a different state, if it goes trans interstate or not, they probably needed to be close enough to transport quickly. Yeah. So, but like California is so huge. Um, yeah, and you know, I, I don't know much about how the intricacies of that donor network yeah. works. I mean, but yeah, I mean, the kid, I believe, you know, had had perished, or you know, that's not even really the word. Because I mean, when when you sign up to be a donor, I mean, you're still alive. Yeah, uh, you make that choice. Yeah. yeah, those organs have to be kept alive before, mm-hmm. right? And I think if anyone watches this film, they will probably walk out of it being like, "I got to sign up," because yeah. what are you really? holding on to at that point. Absolutely. You don't need them anymore. I mean, you know, that was the the big objective. That's what it became at the end. Obviously, we're looking for a story, a good story to tell and, Mm -hmm. you know, and and, um, to share with people. But, you know, sure. I mean, we've done lots of screenings and that is exactly what we're hoping for. Um, Some people find it like, well, you know, they do have to think about it. Some people don't have to think about it at all. Either, you know, know what they want or, you know, one way or the other, but it's been great to have to have these sort of different screenings and, and to have folks come down from Donate Life or whether it was California Transplant Donor Network or the, the variety of, of different mm-hmm. organizations to to sign up people at the end, you know, and mm-hmm. and because uh, yeah, it's just not something a lot of people think about. Yeah, to, a no. little bit to my surprise, but. You know, people just in general don't want to think about their mortality. I think yeah. is what absolutely. It is. And so, clicking that box, you you just have this. I don't know. I I still think maybe like a lot of people have a fear of like, well, maybe what if I'm like brain dead, but maybe I could come back. Well, there's you know? like I when I when I first got my driver's license, a bunch of friends of mine like joked with me about it, and I was like, yeah, of course I'm an organ donor, and they're like. Yeah, but if like a if a hosp- if a paramedic sees that on your ID, they're not gonna let you. They're not gonna resuscitate you. I'm like, yeah, they are. They're not cold blooded <laughs> killers. That is. A- they're not gonna let one person the, die. The so black market. Or, I, that's yeah. not the first time I've heard that. I've heard that concern from a lot of folks. You know, before, like, which is it, it is a myth. You know, for it sure. It always sounded fishy to me. Yeah. And so I just kind of. There are a lot of urban legends that oh, I'm, yeah. I'm sure are not com- that have some basis. In fact, there are. I'm sure there is a black. I'm sure market. there is a black market organ. Oh yeah, uh, market. But I don't. Think Those are for as... the people that are trying to buy their way out of the lottery. Yeah, you know? I think like, it's, people it's have enough money to like get not out as of the big as as people like kind of think it is. Yeah, not everyone's Killgrave on Jessica Jones. Yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> um. But no, I mean, yeah, like, the one story I thought related to that, because I actually realized after watching this that I had, I don't have the information about, I think I could access the information about the person that re- got my dad's uh, liver. But I, I, w- the thing I remember from it happening, uh, that they had to, they had two people waiting and in the process of getting it over there, like one person died so they went to the next person on the list so even that quickly wow like within like a day yeah. uh 
someone was waiting for a liver and then didn't make it. So it's just like, it's completely random. Wow. Yeah. It's luck. It's just, it's luck based. Yeah. And, and I, you know, if you're someone in a situation where you're waiting on a kidney, I mean, there are more options for you than right. someone there's dialysis waiting on a liver. Yeah. Right. yeah. There's right. no equivalent and, process. Well, also like the, the idea that, uh, even if you get that, that organ, even if it's like a match, there's, even a chance. If, there's still a chance it's not going to work. It's yeah. Gonna, rejection. You know, sure. Yep. And, and that was a point that was brought on early on. That was like, your body is always trying to reject it. No matter if it's right. a match, if they get it in, if they get it mm-hmm. working, your body is still right. like, apparently identical twins. The only way that it can yeah. work. Well, even then, is there, is there some sort of possibility that wouldn't even work? With identical twins. I'm sure. I'm sure right. it is. But yeah, right. that, that's supposed to be the best yeah. match. Setup. Like the surgery could get botched or there could be other issues. Right? Yeah. yeah, there could be something. Yeah. Well, we're going to start cloning organs soon. Well, oh gosh. Did you guys hear? Okay. Dinosaurs? Now we're, now we're side, sidelining. Dinosaurs? Yeah, they're going to start. They said that cloning a, <laughs> uh, an extinct dinosaur will be a possibility within five years. Oh man. I was thinking of something hmm. else, but that that's that's going to open another yeah. documentary that we have to yeah, like, yeah. start doing. <laughs> yeah, totally. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but no, uh, they got a hybrid of a pig and a human. Yeah. No, that, they had a yeah. hybrid human pig embryo for this purpose yeah to make human organs inside of yeah there was a there's an old old thing i read about about making a clone of you but without like a brain or a head or anything (laughs) right it's just just like this like thing that they can keep alive was like tube dude 3d print it just 3d print it (laughs) seriously that's gonna happen next that's the next step a big big sloppy organ (laughs) But yeah. it made me really that's like... That's going to solve a lot of the world's problems. Yeah. But like, yeah, it's, it's, it's interesting. It's like health is like so much more important than anything else. Yeah. Watching this thing, it's just like, oh, yeah. I'm like, I can't complain about anything right now after watching this. <laughs> yeah. That's how I felt. Well, it was interesting because like I didn't quite like when when we set it up and everything when I was going to watch it, I, I didn't really know what it was going to be about. Mm-hmm. And it kind of... We had watched uh, The Punk Singer earlier mm-hmm. uh, in an earlier episode, which had... The back end of Kathleen that. Kathleen Hanna documentary, if you've yeah. seen that. I've yeah. seen the punk yeah. singer, yeah. Yeah, which had kind of that back end that's kind of an advocacy of, of Lyme disease. Right. Mm-hmm. Which I thought was like kind of, uh, was similar to this, an advocacy for um, not, only, like, uh, not only organ transplants, but people who are on dialysis, people who are having kidney issues, yeah. which seems like, you know, it's easier to fix a, a kidney, like to replace a kidney than it is like a liver, like we said. But yeah, yeah. it's still a big deal and it's still something that a lot of people suffer with. I'm actually super impressed with how much he was able to do while doing oh, absolutely. all that. That's the thing that was actually really I, amazing. Yeah. I went on a vacation once with my, with my grandparents and I had an ear infection <laughs> and I had to take ear medicine in a van and I was like, I was like, never again am I going to do this. No. <laughs> and I then you watch this thing. I'm like, oh, God. And, and drumming is so physical. That's one yeah. other thing I was going to say. It's like, it's, look, I could probably have a catheter and play the keyboards is what I'm saying. But yeah. <laughs> like drumming is like you're using your whole body. I'm surprised that thing, that tube's got to be flailing around. Yeah. Um, so it's just, it's super physical labor also. Yeah, I mean, he prepared for it, you know, and again, he had the experience going in a bit, obviously with a lot of variables of, you know, things could go either way. Mm-hmm. But yeah, at the end of the day, uh, how bad do you want it, you yeah. know? And I mean, and I've known Pat a long time and countless conversations about, you know, him going into music, me going into film. Yeah. I mean, it, sure, we do almost anything for it. And then, yeah, the other issue that you brought up also is just the fact that, like, being a working musician is not considered a career in America. Like yeah. being like, an, right. you're not entitled to health benefits. Yeah. Um, I don't know what the situation would be now with someone who has a pre-existing condition with like Obamacare if you would get oh, everything you, covered. Oh, you have to get insurance. To, you have to get insurance. You're just going to be, yeah. So that's got to be a huge help for someone who's an independent yeah. contractor, basically a freelancer, even if it's your own band. I mean, yeah. bands... Maybe unless you're really high up a corporate level band where you can like have health insurance for yeah. all of your people, um, that's not a common thing. Right. And yeah, so the the financial part of it and just like the hand to mouth life of being even in like 
a pretty successful uh-huh. mid-level indie rock band is like it's it's they still had to do a lot of fundraising yeah and for pointing out a lot of the fundraising was just to do things that aren't covered on insurance there's a lot of expenses that yeah. were not even considered insurance right exactly. like just like lost work time travel yeah. right. uh all their fees for the for the donor that's the part that I was surprised at that, the benefit. I didn't know what the benefit was exactly. I just figured, oh, there's a lot of expenses. But you're like, oh, yeah, we have to like actually get a yeah. donor it's who is going to volunteer yeah. down yeah. Yeah, to come oh. down. It was very frightening for all of us. Um, it was, we were all kind of in shock. We didn't know what to expect. We didn't know anything about dialysis, the, the two uh, kinds of dialysis that are available. We didn't know what was going to happen from day to day. And I don't think the, the doctors did either. He was just that sick. As a professional welder, Shayna Ford uses Forge FX to practice over and over, which helps her improve her skills. The more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Okay, so did we did have a question? Both Will and I thought this, right? You wondered this too, Will. Yeah. Like, because during the benefit concert, which is this is two thousand six. Yeah. The benefit October two thousand six. Uh, Evan, the bass player, or he, everyone switches over. Actually, I know Graham as well. I know they all looks yeah. like they switch between keys. Yeah, and, they yeah and bass they did and that guitar. a lot. Sure. He's got an eye patch on it, and I just kind of thought maybe it was. Like you know, corrective thing. Like Momus has uh, yeah, his but thing. no, but well, Momus, yeah, I guess does. Mo- I think Momus needs his eye patch. <laughs> well, he's got a he's got a dead eye. Like, yeah, like yeah, 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 yeah. So there's a, I mean, there's a functional purpose. Yeah. Well, Evan, Evan was the type of guy. Uh, he he was a constant entertainer uh, to say the very least. Mm-hmm. Um, the eye patch was is just a bit, as far as I know. I mean, <laughs> he he sort of arrived um, with the rest of the guys. At the independent, I, I think they just finished a tour. They were coming home, and then this, oh, yeah. this, then this big, you know, uh, benefit was taking place, and so they'd been, you know, a little uh, beaten down by the road and so forth. But I think, I think Evan, like, literally, like, was opening a beer, and the cap popped into his eye, and <laughs> just sort of played it out where he got, a, he, you know, uh, conveniently got an eye patch for it. <laughs> so, uh, you know. Him sporting that eye patch, I'm sure, gave him a lot of great uh, fun just to kind of, you know, put that magic to work, it, so to speak. Like he, no, he, Evan. He popped up in that in that concert footage, and it was always like, even when it was kind of somber, it was like, oh, there he is, and it was, and it kind of made that moment that you get to when you find out about what happened to him and everything. Yeah, yeah. it made it a little bit more uh, harder to take and a little bit harder to 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 kind of watch that footage and. Very much about, so. Like what happened to him? Yeah, was, yeah. No, it's. Um, I mean, we could we could talk a little bit about. Yeah, why don't we just yeah, we can yeah. do that, some editing. Yeah, 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 we'll just like. Yeah, you guys. Assuming we get to the point where we we talk about what yeah. happened with the fire and stuff. Yeah. You know, I I would say that when the news came down that Evan <clears throat> was involved with that fire, you know, I heard I was in the middle of editing, and. Um, I guess this would have been December of '07. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so this is several months late after Pat got his kidney. So things were kind of, you know, and he'd already left the band at that point. Yeah, yeah. he did. He, he moved. He, he decided to spend more time with his family and be based in Bloomington. Yeah, exactly. He had moved on, and so, um, but you know, he he still traveled a bit. I mean, there was no way he was going to stay at home mm-hmm. the whole time. You yeah. know, so he he actually came back. And he joined uh, Jason Molina's band. Is yeah, what I read. He, he did uh, a stint in Magnolia Electric. Yeah. Oh wow! Which is also, I guess, they were must have been based out of Bloomington at the time. Yeah, yeah. So, all those, all that whole band um, dudes, came yeah. from Bloomington. Well, Jason uh, lived in Bloomington for a while mm-hmm. too. The late great Jason. Yeah. Molina. Also, yeah. yeah. Someone needs to make a doc about that dude. Yeah. Yeah. Really. Yeah. Um, well, anyway, you know when. I had heard the news about Evan being in the hospital. Uh, I mean, like everybody, just just shocked beyond belief. Um, especially a guy with so much life in, yeah. inside. You can just see it in the in the film, yeah. Yeah. So you know, I just dropped everything. I couldn't do any work on the on the thing for a little while. Um, I would think, yeah. And and I went uh, and I lived in. I still was still living in San Francisco at the time. So I remember I'd come over to Berkeley to visit he was still you know being kept 
kept alive on on the uh, the machine, so to speak, uh, over at Alta Bates, which is funny. Enough, I live right around the corner, yeah. more or less, from there now. Mm-hmm. So I, I walk by there a lot, and I think about Evan yeah. a lot. Yeah. Um, but um, yeah, uh, you know, seeing his sort of core group of friends there, knowing what the project was, you know, at least on a periphery, what, you know, my involvement, uh, they knew me a little bit, you know, cause I'm this kind of this, this guy from Bloomington that, you know, we sort of knew each other a long time before, but you know, we paid our respects and hugged it out. And, um, then I was given the task to go pick up his dad from the airport who I'd never met. Yeah. Talk about, a you know, another superhero type of a guy. The guy is, is full of so much life yeah. himself and, was trying just to keep, you know, his head on straight the best way he could. Yeah. I mean, he had an incredible attitude considering everything that was going on. Mm-hmm. So, you know, Jill was there eventually and um, you know, you just you just do what you can just to be there for everybody in that moment. But so I preface that with, you know, I, I don't really remember how much time had gone by after, you know, goodbyes or the decision had been made and the goodbyes were all mm-hmm. sort of, sh- you know, shared. Um but then I had come back around to going back to work on the film and then asking Jill and uh, um, Evan's father, Ken, you know, what if they would grant me, you know, their, res- the, their, their respects, the permission to, to go ahead and include this into the film. And so, you know, they immediately said, how could you not? You know, yeah. it, mm-hmm. it, was, it was definitely a, a sort of a must situation. So... You know, talk about uh, delicacies and just, you know, just trying to make the best thing you can. I mean, the pressure yeah. on <laughs> just to like now to deliver something like this yeah. to all these people were it just it took it was tenfold. You know, and you also point. get because you already see how giving Jill is earlier in the film. It's just so much more uh, underlying all of that stuff it, it was, as a viewer. You know, again, you know, it's still shocking to think to, to think about being in that position, you know, and and sort of making this thing and and, and you know, sort of trying to like put together, uh, yeah, what happened to this amazing woman who was willing to give so much and then now share her number one love as a loss, mm-hmm. you know. And I mean, obviously, Evan meant so much to so many people, including the people, you know, obviously Pat. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, but oh god, just to juggle that, I, I you know, it, well, what can I say? It was it was very very tough, but yeah. Luckily, uh, they were you know, they 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 liked it, and, and, and <laughs> yeah, you were well, there. Also say yeah. you were there. Uh, were you filming when there was the uh, meeting with the yeah. other families? Yeah, you were. On yeah, that, yeah. So. Well, that was the next step. It was mm-hmm. just like I knew that there was going to be you know, there's. So there's there's an an event where a year I guess or so after um, loved ones are gone and they have made those donate you know donations then uh, if relatives of those people want to stay in touch and want to have an opportunity to meet those recipients then that can be had and man it, you know another giant emotional sort of ride to say mm-hmm. the least so you know there was a time where Jill and and, and close friends came back to Oakland. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, we met uh, a couple recipients um, yeah. of organs that Ed, Evan had given to. So um, you know, not yeah. easy on anybody. No, that, I, and I was saying, kind of bring back to the thing that my in my experience, I I don't know if I didn't have any curiosity about what happened in the case of my dad's stuff, right. but um, watching this made me actually want to go back and I started digging through emails and trying to find out oh, man, what I could yeah. know about it. Sure. And not that I'm, I don't know that I'm going to reach out to the people, but like, I know that there was some information about just generally like, okay, so this is what this person does for a living. This is where they live. Well, yeah. That kind of stuff. I feel like for my own mind, I think it it made me feel good with the whole thing. uh, In my case, like I definitely, it was the only positive thing I felt like came out of it. Yeah. That was like the one thing I could feel like this is one good thing that came out of this terrible thing. Yeah, we to, we live in such a yeah. challenging culture now, you know, with the <laughs> current events and people how they interact with each other on whether it's social media yeah. or whatever and you know, 
it's easy to get too much information from anybody, but in a situation yeah. like that, I mean, it's, it is just, you know, at the end of the day, you're human. You want to know, and you just yeah. want to, I think, reach out and, it might make you feel better. Yeah, it might make you feel like, like total shit if you're like, oh my God, the guy's a total Republican <laughs> or whatever. But hopefully you can see through that. No, right? no, no. I mean, I think like, no, I think I could probably see through that stuff. It's just like, I just realized that I didn't have that, I didn't feel like I had that curiosity. Yeah. And like, I think it's been enough time where I'm like, maybe it'd be an interesting yeah. thing for me. Right. And not saying right. everyone would want to do this. I'm not saying everyone who receives an organ would want to meet the family. Yeah, I feel like a lot of them maybe wouldn't want to. Speaking of social media, though, kind of a funny little tidbit, if you will. Uh, you know, we Pat, went from <laughs> organ donating. To, <laughs> well, to well, humor. you know, it was actually uh, the name of the the donor in Pat's case. His name was Peter, the young mm-hmm. man who who perished in mm-hmm. Arizona. Um, and it was his sister who reached out to Pat. Right, um, had found out through through MySpace, which I thought was kind of yeah. a funny. That's um, how she reached out. Even, to even him. back then, a MySpace was, <laughs> was like, a little you know, bit a little bit of a has yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, yeah, but it, you know, it was through exchange. You know, it's just it's great that that power of of getting in touch with somebody, which mm-hmm. we all sort of know and take for granted for. But then, you know, led to those experiences. So. Mm-hmm. Anyway, so where can we find the? Uh, where can others find the documentary? You know, um, I am a horrible self-distributor, but I, I <laughs> did. You will, make DVDs at all? I did, yeah, and, and I and I right. have a DVD copies left. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, honestly, for somebody as myself who doesn't put it out there very well, um, people find me. People know the film. I mean, so just to give a little a, a brief history of the film, the film did go on to play quite a few festivals and won a big award at the San Francisco International Film Festival, mm-hmm. which you know caused a lot of people to sort of take notice which was really great um there from that point it it got the attention of uh itvs and independent lens and it played nationally on on their program um i guess that would have been the fall of 2009 through 2010 Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so yeah and there had been there had been a lot of people in organizations such as you know donate life and so forth who i mentioned earlier that champion the film and have bought copies for their you know dialysis clinics and hospitals all over so the film has got uh, tremendous potential for at least at the very least an educational distribution which i could still you know could make some time for but my long-winded answer coming right around to this if you go to my website it's autonomy16.net or my name, Jim Granado, or Facebook. You can find me on Facebook. Um, there is a detour page. You can just get send me a message, and we can mm-hmm. go from there. Um, it's pretty easy to find me online. Uh, also, it's also available on Vimeo as like a, a pay-to-own mm-hmm. rental thing, and it's only three, I think it's three or four bucks to rent and ten bucks to own on the Vimeo On Demand. Is, is there, as an independent producer, is there sort of like a lot of negotiations you had to do to get this on in one of those streaming services? Uh, yeah, well, you know, I had a lot of help in the beginning because it did get distribution through PBS and mm-hmm. Independent Lens. So therefore, under their umbrella, it, it did have a life on Netflix oh, did, and yeah. Hulu mm-hmm. and those channels. But again, uh, you know, this was 2009 through, two, it was a three-year contract. Okay. When that okay. time came up, I, you know, I was, uh, I didn't want to go through trying to renegotiate some of those contracts again for all of that music licensing. Yeah. The music licensing is a bitch and, yeah. and I could have gotten a lot of those, but I, you know, honestly couldn't, I couldn't edit that film any more than it had. In fact, I'll, I'll tell you a quick story. PBS wanted me to, to make a one hour cut. I mean, the movie's 99 minutes long yeah. and I sort of fought for the longer cut and they rarely gave... Uh, filmmakers the the green light to make the 83 minute cut which is your 90 minute movie yeah. cut to as close to that for broadcast mm-hmm. um but i argued i can't cut this film down look at you know and i gave all my list of reasons right. all yeah. the scenes especially the last half of the film yeah and they they came around on my side so i got the 83 minute version uh-huh. which is which is out there yeah, yeah. which is pretty cool from yeah. a filmmaker's point of view for sure so the version that's up on Vimeo is your That's the original. That's cut. the 99-minute yeah. yeah. cut. Yeah, and the 83-minute cut's fine. It's just mm-hmm. a couple less, you know, uh, minutes here and there, probably some of the music. And yeah. sure, sure, there's some extraneous little bits, I suppose. I don't think anything's too no, I, I, no, I thought, I, yeah. we, all, we both enjoyed it. <laughs> okay, good. Well, thanks. Thanks for, thanks <laughs> yeah, for, yeah. Thanks for including uh, me. Any other, any other projects? Are you, are you doing more documentary, documentary you know, projects? I, um, or was I, this just like I, such... 
a commitment of time and labor that's well like, yes and no yeah. i mean it took a lot out of me i'm not gonna lie to you you know because a lot of it was just came from me i did have great help in the editing later on with uh, richard levine who was my co-editor on the project and he's uh, gone on to make some really great stuff um you know and i've made a couple short films and i do a lot of work for hire for a lot of variety of people and organizations here in the bay area so i'm definitely around for that kind of stuff but yeah um i'm actually working on a on a movie project now with the mummies oh great oh. Yeah. yeah the 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 kings of budget rock wow <laughs> Awesome. Yeah. yeah so I, look for that. That that won't be a documentary per se. That's going to be a little bit more of a uh, insane, irreverent, black and white rock and roll exploitation perfect. film uh, with maybe some mockumentary. Uh, that's I would expect no less yeah. from those yeah, guys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So if you are familiar with their band and their aesthetic, then uh, ex- expect some mayhem on the screen. Awesome. Hopefully, maybe next it'll year. It'll be like Monkey's Head, but it'll be Mummy's Head. Yeah. There we go. That's that's a good way of, yeah, that's a good way to think about it. Yeah, for sure. All right. Thanks a lot, Jim. Thanks, George. Thanks, Will. Thanks for listening. You can find more episodes of SupDoc, show notes, updates, and more at SupDocPodcast.com. We're on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at SupDocPodcast. If you have comments, corrections, or want to suggest a documentary, email us at SupDocPodcast at gmail.com. The show is listener-supported. You can donate to the show at patreon.com slash subdocpodcast. If you can't donate financially, please subscribe, comment, or tell a friend about Subdoc. We'd like to thank Documentary News for their ongoing support. Subdoc is produced by Will Scoville. Our theme music is by David Siegel. 